The following is a fourth-hand production. Buckle up kiddos as we do an entire episode on a book that no one can read, and we don't mean Twilight. We're talking the Voynich Manuscript. Adam Poston and Tack Van Sickle from the Twisted Ten join in to help us get to the bottom of this. Oh, and Pecker is here too. So if you dig illustrated codexes handwritten on skin in an unknown writing system that dates back to the 1400s, you're in luck. Sit back, fire up your Enigma machines, and break out your decoder rings because it's time for Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that loves to trade recipes, but only does it in indecipherable codes, ciphers, and languages. This is Hysteria 51. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we are your hosts and head translators, John Goforth and Brent Hand. So, the table is a Santori whiskey. You can see it. You can see it. You can see it. Refreshing topic this week, John. The Voynich Manuscript, which I'm going to mess that name up all week. Right before repeatedly, we started. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. The Von Jakob. I don't even know. <laughs> That's, might, a, that's a winery in Southern Illinois. Thank you. We might not know what it says, who wrote it, or what it's for, but we know for a fact it does exist. Quite a departure from the norm for us, actually. It feels good, Brent. It just feels <laughs> good. And as we sit here and record this, new evidence has supposedly surfaced that could help shed light into the meaning of the manuscript. I mean, this thing broke literally yesterday. And that's what they call in the business a tease. Nicely done. I might actually stay until the end of this one instead of just phoning it in like I'm used to. Ugh, please don't. That other voice you're hearing is the other host of this show. Host. That's generous. That's a, yeah, it is generous. His name is Conspiracy Bot. Seabot is a robot I cooked up in my lab to do the show's editing and research. And instead, he just drinks a lot and has anger issues. Ah, it's kind of like, like, like everyone's stepdad. Like father, like son. Yeah, right. <laughs> Screw, Screw you. you. <laughs> I think I, I might have hit a, a little close to home there, Brent. Seabot, <laughs> now that the comedy career seems to be fizzling out, what have you been up to to occupy your time? Little of this, little of that, really weighing my options before I jump toaster into my next venture. Oh, and there's new neighbors up the street, so terrorizing them with broken windows dead animal carcasses, and air horns in the middle of the night. You know, the usual. He's going to keep using those plunger feet to get up and down the stairs, John. I think I actually need to lock the doors at night. Before he incriminates himself or any of us further, let's actually get to our guests, of which there are many. There are many. And boy, is it a lineup. First, <laughs> the returning guest who is always never welcome back. Pepper! Pecker! Pecker! Oh. 
His name is Pecker. Joe Peck. Welcome, Joseph. Pleasure. A pleasure, gentlemen. It is. For you and you alone. It is so good to see you. It feels like it's been forever and a day. It really does. It No, it, it does not. It, it feels like it's. It, it's been it's too short it's, it's like he's he's always here he's omnipresent he's moving into my basement uh, he has i miss his musk when he's not here what can i say Ugh. also joining the show via the interwebs are the co-hosts of our favorite podcast based in southern florida hosted by employees of space agencies uh, well second favorite south florida space agency based podcast i think is the best way to say it okay okay you know, we're <laughs> the second best at a lot safe we're being safe yeah. adam and tack of the twisted tin and living podcastly gentlemen welcome back to the show oh thanks charmed i'm sure <laughs> thank you very very much for having us from sunny sunny florida where it's not snowing so what is what is that word i so, say sn- sn- snow snow Sna- I don't snails. know what that snails. is. We have snails. It's it's what the uh, the the flyover states, as they call it, get uh, between you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fellas, last time you were on, uh, we had one of our more infamous episodes, our Flat Earth Roundtable. That's a yes. one. That was fun. We're still getting death threats over that one. Oh, my God. Our, our YouTube got... I had to turn off comments on YouTube because we were getting literally, all turning aside... People say they were gonna. We should kill ourselves. They were gonna kill us. Get with the the program. Calling us God Freemasons. Uh, everything. Well, I mean that part's true, but the, everything else sucks. <laughs> Pretty much because I went afterwards and told David Weiss he was an idiot and got in arguments with him on, <laughs> online because who doesn't like kicking that dead horse? You know. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. Like we had them also on our our show, Twisted Ten, as well. And also, we're on a YouTube channel, too, that we put that on. And there's all kinds of comments in there. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's a great time. It's a good time to read. You it's know, a good it's, read. It's very sad when our most popular episode uh, features those goofballs. Now, listen, I like them both. They were nice enough gentlemen to us, and we were happy that they came on and got us 20000 for one episode. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's rough that... That's what's more popular than anything that we've ever produced individually. Right. right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes, guys, isn't it more about quality than quantity? Let's be honest. L- listen to the the the, uh, the artist over there. Well, I'm just I'm proud about what I do, and I don't need numbers. Uh, well, listen, no, no, I'm not. I'm not going that far. But I mean, there is a there is a line at some point <laughs> when you when you got guys in there uh, talking about. Well, I mean. I, I can't see any further than than the end of my nose, so obviously the Earth is flat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, I, like, I don't know. I've become woke since then, and that passes my smell test. Is what by the end of the three hours, I was just doing shots. I I, right? <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. But luckily, luckily, gentlemen, all of us are normal-ish, and we have a great topic to talk about tonight, the Voynich Manuscript. Yeah, yeah, something that, like you said, actually exists, is actually actively in the news right now, and uh, I think, was it Tech? Was it your idea, Adam? I don't know who uh, was saying, Uh, said, we want this as our our topic. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that was me when you suggested it. I was like, oh, hell yeah, 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 I'm good for that. I'm good for that. I know a little bit about that. He's just hoping it's like, like Middle Ages erotica. <laughs> so he's been just- <laughs> oh, So for the kids at home that don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about a book. I know. Well, I, I, woo! 
Everybody, <laughs> don't get all excited. excited. <laughs> don't everybody get all excited at once. So why would we do an entire episode on a book? I still don't know. And I <laughs> fear not, fear not, dear listener. It's not just any book. It's actually a bound manuscript of unknown origin in a language that no one can identify. Allegedly, I'm pretty sure that like the the. The Illuminati and the reptilians, they, they have that on their end table. That's just, you know, their go-to. Reptilians can read it. Yeah, it's a fact. It's a fact. Well, considering they wrote it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they can, but, but we'll, we'll get there. Reptile wins. It's a book. It's not your normal book, though. The pages are, are made of vellum, which is what you call it when it's made of calf skin. What do you call it when it's made of meat sack skin? Asking for a friend. <laughs> I that, think that's, that's the Necronomicon, right? God, I love Seabot. I, I hate it when he asks questions like that. Yeah. So, so <laughs> some of the pages of this manuscript are missing, but they're still around like 240 pages. Some of them are foldable sheets. And if, if you're feeling sassy, you can look up William Shatner and uh, this Vonich manuscript. Voynich. Voynich. I told you, I'm bad with it. Voynich. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can see him like playing with a fake one going, oh, oh, you should see what I'm looking at here. He has a whole like uh, 20 minute YouTube uh, from his old weird, wacky, wild world or whatever the hell it was uh, done on this. And it is. What did you say, Joe? It was his answer to uh, Nimoy's uh, in search of in search yeah, of. He had to get in on that, too, yeah. for sure. <laughs> on that paranormal <laughs> bandwagon of cash that we cash in on every you know weekend make hundreds hundreds of pennies on i've been told that we're part of the problem you know and just you know part of the machine but i'm still not getting any of that machine money so i mean whoever's complaining about that clearly aren't like you guys where you're making no less than some money off this (laughs) (laughs) that's true yes now we're not making south florida space money but you know it's it's okay Uh, oh you stop (laughs) so the text written from left to right which actually matters because you know a lot of them are from right to left is arranged in short paragraphs and the manuscript is so heavily illustrated and from these illustrations appears to be scientific or medical work from the middle ages there's illustrations of similar type or, or mostly grouped together in the manuscript and you can almost identify sections based on said illustrations and and Obviously, a few of these things are supposition, saying it's written from left to right. Since they don't know what's written, they can't say for certain that it's written from left to right. It looks like it is. But it looks like it is. Right, right, right. And the illustrations are of similar type because there's what looks like plants all in one area. So they call that there's an an herbal section with drawings of herbs, some of which look realistic. Others appeal imaginary. But the problem is none of them are actually real plants that we can identify from here on earth i'll throw that out there but some some look similar (laughs) some Some look similar Uh, many don't if i was to draw a manuscript and i'm going to go as far as to say probably tack uh you would not be able to tell what the hell i was is that a pot leaf no man it's a rose i had no idea (laughs) that's the the end of my uh if you need an evil robot i'm your guy if you need a drawing of a plant keep looking so you're saying you are not the originator of the voynich manuscript i'm not saying that out loud but it's <laughs> probably okay. probably okay. That's real. so the, uh, the next section was an astronomical section uh there's illustrations of the sun the moon and the stars and uh, there are actual 
almost recognizable Zodiac symbols. It's one of the few things in the entire manuscript that they think they actually recognize. Yeah, but it's almost as if, like, some people you talk to them, it's like, it's like it's viewed from another <laughs> star, like the Pleiades. Another vantage point. And so everything shifted a little bit, but they still think it's the, the Zodiac symbols. I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm trying real hard for this alien angle on this one. So bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying real hard. Oh, nice. <laughs> you damn right. Uh, and yes, yes. Trying to be a shepherd. A cosmological section is up next with mostly circular drawings. Uh, is that, is that like beautician school? Is that what that means? That's exactly what it is. Uh, and, uh, they're circular drawings because they're mostly bouffants. <laughs> A few, a few beehives. <laughs> My favorite hair to this day, it stands up. It does. It, yeah. It's the test of time, if you will. Not, oh, not to man. be confused with Conway Twitty's pompadour, which was beautifully coiffed in and of itself. Conway Twitty. <laughs> I just doubled the Conway Twitty on the internet. On the week. internet. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a so-called biological section which contains some possibly anatomical drawings with small oh, yeah. humans, mostly feminine figures, probably mm-hmm. systems of tubes transporting liquids mostly green and a lot of these women look pregnant at least they do to me in the pictures slide them in slide them in let them bake now slide them in slide them out easy bake wow let's talk about this let's pause here for a moment guys guys guests have you seen these drawings oh yeah of course (laughs) yeah i've seen them a lot I mean, uh, he's got yeah, he's, Brent John he's seen them all. a lot. <laughs> a lot yeah. When he says a lot, he says a lot. <laughs> last Tuesday, last Thursday, twice, twice on, on Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I study them really hard, like at night. The the tubes. I I. What would you describe those tubes as? Middle aged water water park. I mean, I that's what I thought. Water slides. Yeah, except it's green water. But and so, Adam, did you see? Looking at these, like, did they look like they were pregnant, or is that just me, like the women in these pictures? Uh, well, a lot of them did, but uh, you also have to take into consideration what was sexy at the time for when this was supposed to be written. It looks a little different than what we conventionally think People of sexy would have now. Seen me but at that time, have been like that. That bastard yeah. is rich. <laughs> However, this I know what the green is. is. Yeah, the the green liquid is the uh, surge cola. By the way, that's like a surge soda. Just it's the origination of surge. Yeah, that's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. It's just the first Surge commercial. They're all just, Surge. You got it. Gross. <laughs> just a bunch of naked. Uh, my baby needs Surge. <laughs> plants like it. Wait, that's the different one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's right. What is that? That was, uh, it's got what plants need, I forget. from. So could, <laughs> could the Voynich Manuscript have been a 200 and something, 240 page tourism pamphlet? Well, I, thought, I thought it was a business plan for opening the first water park. Water park, right, right. We so here's here's the plants and how we're make gonna it make chicks. it beautiful. Yeah, the women are gonna flock like the salmon of Capistrano. But <laughs> it's gonna be open at night. All right, so they can see the stars. I think you might be onto something. And by stars, you mean stars such as Troy McClure, right? Yes. <laughs> you know me. For, you know me. I'm Troy McClure. Yeah. Six Flags over Venice and Six Flags Atlantis. Oh, Atlantis. <laughs> and Hal Voynich's outfit in Europe. 
There's also a, a pharmaceutical section, so-called because it has drawings of containers. The only way you're going to enjoy yeah. this water park is if you have some pharmaceuticals. Right. Next to which various small parts of these herbs, <laughs> leaves, and roots have been aligned. And they think a recipe section, which contains over 300 short paragraphs, each accompanied by the star on the left margin, meaning they think that's like a... Uh, uh, a Michelin a new, star? Yes, exactly. A new recipe... Though a lot of people are like, you don't understand. This is just like with Nostradamus, and those are new quatrains that we just haven't uh, deciphered mm. yet. So, <sighs> so another possibility: it's a farmer's almanac. Yeah, just a really old, it, really long, really old, odd farmer's almanac. Well, an, an alien farmer's almanac, well, right, Brent? Like it, the the stars are where they're basically saying, like, here is the next human recipe. I mean, recipe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually get a copy of this uh, Voynich manuscript if you go to Stuart Swardlow's homepage. Uh, Stuart Swardlow and his human wife will sell you an actually transcribed into whatever language you want uh, a copy for a nominal fee. <laughs> real and real, really, really, really could be a farmer's almanac from back then. A lot of folks actually think that. The problem is no one can read it, and it, it's really kind of strange that no one to this day can. I mean, right. with the with the amount of languages that we've been able to decipher and figure out, and, and it's not just one's like, based one's based on another, and so on and so forth. And the thing that we want you to understand, it's not like this was found like. Some conspiracy theorist opened his door and it was there on microfiche. No, this <laughs> this was found in like it. This is at Yale, and this has been studied by the NSA by code breakers who had broke the Enigma machines codes in World War Two, World War One. This code was breakers. studied by Joe Peck. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nonetheless, yeah. And, and your findings, sir? Well, we'll get to that. Like, if we, if I told oh. you that now, the show would be over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good point. There's, a, there's a process here. Sorry, there's a process. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so he's not, he's not going to give you the milk for free. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is. What's so strange about it, it leads researchers to think that it might not be simply translation problem. It's not just some language we haven't come up with. So some thoughts of what it could be was, well, like, a long extinct language so it's not based on another one it went extinct a long time ago and to put that in perspective the eskimos people the inuit people lost the language in like 2009 or something like the last native speaker there are upwards of 500 languages on earth that are almost extinct and tens of thousands that we've lost in recorded history so think Mm. about all the ones that we don't know about esperanto esperanto Thriving and now has native speakers. Thriving? Esperanto. What a great word to describe it. Thriving. Uh, So what's funny, Lisa and I just watched a documentary on Esperanto. And they actually The one joke I make. No. The one joke I make. Swear to God. So they have over He watched a documentary on it. They have over a thousand native speakers on of Esperanto. He's giving you a, a, a look like I don't know what I'm talking about. It's if you guys don't know what Esperanto is, it's no, like we can't the believe you Klingon. watched a documentary yeah, on it. That's the look I'm giving. <laughs> this is unbelievable. What we're witnessing amazing, right now, amazing. The history of Esperanto. It was actually this guy who uh, who collects like um, uh, antiquities of like sci- sci-fi and stuff like that. Is one of the guys who like keeps Esperanto going. Esperanto was supposed to cause world peace. I mean, this was supposed. Well, to- we're fingers crossed, John. <laughs> 
<laughs> and where exactly where exactly is this happening? I'm trying to include Adam. He speaks Esperanto. So. <laughs> Adam, yeah, say something. Say something. It it goes something like you know, oh, look, look, look. Yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Well, lots of clicks and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah lots of clicks. I'm never heard, though, like. We have all these evidence, all this evidence of like languages die, right? You you gave the Inuit example, like the Basque language will die within the next like ten years or something. Yeah. Is less precise. Yeah. Has anyone that's alive right now witnessed the birth of a language? Klingon. Oh, uh, what? Klingon. Tolkien. Tolkien also. Jared Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien. They yeah. didn't go the whole way with with Elven or Elvish or whatever, like they did with Klingon. Though I'm sure they will if they haven't already. Um, what, like a dictionary? Yeah, like, <laughs> so where they, they've actually worked out, like, conjugation of verbs and stuff like that, which is crazy. I- uh, Ebonics also, I think, is another one. Yeah, <laughs> no? What was that? Ooh. Ebonics, is that another one? Yeah, right. True. <laughs> That's true. So if it's not an extinct language, it, it could be a code or a cipher. That's right. That's the one that a lot of people lean to. Like, well, it's a, it's a foreign language that is channeled through a cipher so it's really hard or it's absolute nonsense which there are a lot of people that think it's it's formulated absolute nonsense so it's not like someone just sitting down and writing gibberish uh they wrote gibberish intelligently which is actually they said very hard to do and uh to be distinguished from that it could be the ravings of a mad mind which which is distinguishable from that uh meaning the person who sat down thought they were actually writing in a language, but they had broken wires in their brain, and their, so it yeah. translated out yeah. differently. That's uh, amazing. Tr- true. Then we got the two that I have to touch on, because otherwise we're, you know, go kicking and screaming. I'll let you, because, you know, we don't judge. Yeah. It could be... What, what are you talking people about? People from another... That's all we do. <laughs> people from another dimension, <laughs> or a language from another planet. Now, not to say that that is the original... But someone here on Earth made a copy of it, or maybe it was from Atlantis and, and uh, <laughs> some of the stayovers wrote it, and uh, those are the the leftovers. I, I I think that wraps up this episode. Done. <laughs> yes. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a blast. Fun. Joe, good seeing you again. What a pleasure. <laughs> we know kind of what it is now, John. Why don't you give us a little history on it of what the actual thing where it came from and why we're actually talking about it obviously the exact origin of the manuscript is not known but the prevailing theory is it originated in northern italy during the italian renaissance so basically the early 15th century yeah they they date it like 1408 to 1419 or something it's pretty pretty they've narrowed it down and the way they're able to do that is uh the vellum we mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. they, they carbon dated it the only challenge with that is that vellum is is a lot like um like a, a painter's canvas. Yeah. It's really, especially back then, valuable. And so if you didn't like what was written on it, you just kind of washed it off and started over. Yeah. Once it dried, you could pick you could pick it off even and and start over. Yeah, like it was very uh desirable. So while while we know the vellum is from then, we don't know that the content that was written on is yeah. from then. Also um, I will point out, I was watching Ancient Aliens the other night, <laughs> and uh, uh, your friend and mine, uh, Mr. George Sukolos, mm. spent an hour proving that anything carbon dated near a nuclear explosion is likely off by 10,000 years. <laughs> so uh, this could actually be from the distant, distant past or from the future. 
if any object is exposed to some type of a thermonuclear event, it changes the result of the carbon dating. So I think that it's about time for us to look at our ancient history, because what if something similar happened in our past? Gentlemen, what do you think? Are you... It's probably 10,000 years in the future is where it came from, right? Well, I mean, uh, if it's on ancient aliens, I mean, he just said it. <laughs> I mean, it's on there. It's got to be true. It's it, 10,000 years? Could Italy? Could nuclear <laughs> explosions? <laughs> All right. So assuming it isn't from a nuclear capable society 10,000 years ago or in the future, we do have a small paper trail on it, but an actually pretty, pretty good paper trail. So various letters have been found tracing ownership of the manuscript, and we're not going to examine whether every actual person actually had it for these exact dates or anything like that. We're going to give you the basics. The earliest guy known to own it was Emperor Rudolph II, who paid 600 gold ducats. That's Holy Roman Emperor, King of Hungary and Croatia, King of Bohemia, and Archduke of Austria to you, sir. You stand in the presence of Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen. Rightful heir to the Iron Throne, rightful queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the mother of dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains. This is Jon Snow. He's king in the north. Uh, that's Damn. Right. <laughs> he was a member of the House of Habsburg. He was also known to collect weird and wild stuff. Wonder what he would have paid for Seabot. More than this two-bit operation is worth. I need to upgrade my life. That's actually accurate. That's that's really true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no one wants you. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're junk. <laughs> so Rudolph was also known for not paying his debts, so... He'd buy it from you, but not send you, the, you know, your PayPal account. So upon his death, the book was then given to Jacobus Horsicky or Horsicky. There's a lot of C's and K's and whores in there. Uh, de Tepes, <laughs> the head of Rudolph's botanical Did you, did you notice how I got Brown. quiet there and just let you go ahead and take yeah, care of that the, one? We yeah. have the names written out, but not phonetically. As part of the debt for Rudolph that he owed, Rudolph II. And then for the next 70 years or so, various people within various hard-to-pronounce names owned it until it disappeared again for 200 years. Now, in all likelihood, it was likely stored with the rest of the library of uh, Collegio Romano, now the Pontifical Gregorian University during those years. But in 1903, the Society of Jesus, which is what the Collegio Romano is now known as, uh, was short on money and decided to sell some of its holdings. So the sale took place, and in 1912, this cat named Wilfred Voynich acquired 30 of these manuscripts. And guess what? This is one of them. We there finally a have a name. And here's the thing. It took until now to give this thing a damn name? 1912. Well, not even then. I mean, he owned it. So, that, yeah, they're just like, ah. Even the, the language, they call it Voynichese. The, the language, if it is an actual Why language. wouldn't we have called it one of these other guys? Like, like why wouldn't it? Because they're really hard to pronounce. The Rudolph manuscript? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Rudy Tootie wrote on calfskin. I don't know. Like, yeah, like. <laughs> there's there's way better names out there. I couldn't come up with one, but there's better ones. This guy. Yeah, I don't think the Rudy Tootie really flies. No, <laughs> I like it. He spent the next seven years attempting to enter scholars in deciphering this thing while he worked to determine the origin of the manuscript. And guess what? People were like, at that time were like, "Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really interested in this." 
So yeah, he spent the. I mean, he spent the rest of his life trying to figure like, this thing guys, out. This is probably important. I don't. I don't know. It's like it's like if you're a mechanic or you're not a mechanic and you're trying to figure out your car. Yeah. And you obviously can't, but you're you're still going to try to figure it out. And no other actual mechanics will help you. <laughs> that right. that was the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't understand how to take this carburetor apart. I'm still going to try. But man, it'd be awesome if an if an actual mechanic would come help me. Not interested. Nope. <laughs> no, not, not Sounds like my uh, that's my dating life pretty much currently. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're giving it the old college try yourself. I I, I have to do it myself because nobody else will show me. Taking care so. of business every day. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1930, the manuscript was inherited after uh, Wilfred's death by his widow, Ethel Voynich. Little known fact, also the author of The Gadfly and daughter of mathematician jo- George Boyle. Uh, who, or, who, yeah. That's fantastic. Who doesn't, that's something who doesn't to be proud of right George, there. George Boyle's <laughs> life. I mean, come on now. <laughs> she died in 60 and left the manuscript to her close friend, Annie Nill. And in 61, Nill sold the book to an antique book dealer, Hans P. Kraus. I'm sure he didn't do anything nefarious during the war, and Krauss wasn't oh. able to find a buyer and donated the manuscript to Yale University, where it sits today. It was back in 69 haven't, when it went there. Haven't we given the Germans enough trouble on this show? Nah, that's probably <laughs> he, was, he was in America. There's no reason to take that out on him. What do you guys think? Like, It's pretty interesting to have a book that is as old as it is, that has the pedigree that is traceable. I mean, what do you guys think? So I'm just glad it's not the Pekraus, uh book instead of the Voynich <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Voynich. <laughs> Voynich. And with P. Kraus papers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Voynich. I, I don't know why it's so hard for me to pronounce. But is that it's, weird? Is it weird, though? It is weird because it's phonetic. So. Well, no, yeah, it's spelled how it sounds. You're a dick. A book like this would be able to be traced like that, or is it because it's such a weird book, people just knew where it was all the time? Yeah, it's hard to tell if some of those stories are made up on its origin as well as some of its pattern through life, uh, right. going from place to place. It's that's that's kind of hard. So why would you know why would Voynich originally be interested in purchasing the book? Why would it be? You know, uh, uh, donated to a private bookseller. That seems a little bit shady, but I mean, yeah. now he didn't just to... buy it. He bought all the manuscripts that were available, thirty of them, which was over yeah. thirty. And this just happened to be one of them. Now, it, you know, but you're right, though. Yeah. The as far as the history goes, obviously, it can't be validated. The history is is traced through a series of letters. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's so it's one person's account of of what happened. Ru- Rudolph owned it. We know that uh, from just someone like, someone saying it in a letter. And that's uh, so, you know, it could be bullshit. Just like America's history will in the future be traced through Trump's tweets, uh, I think, is the <laughs> to, um, explore our, our, our past and, and future. Oh. It'll be huge, huge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to know. Before about by the way, guys, I'm I'm gonna jet because I get to go read the Gadfly, but I want to know have <laughs> has anyone traced the history of what clearly is a seminal work in in of literature? Grab another Percy. The Gadfly. All right, kids. So that's what we know about the the manuscript so far. But after the break, we're gonna dive into what we don't know and what it says, which is the vast majority. Uh who wrote it? How were aliens involved? All right. Ooh. All that and more after the break on Hysteria 51. I think what we're going to do is just solve this for everyone. Are you, are you, are you, like, including reptilians with aliens? Hola, David and me. I'm O'Brint. 
Bonjour, uh, Brent. Um, je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So (laughs) you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. (laughs) In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, they design it for long-term retention, you know, and uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rachete, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rachete. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash 
Hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So, the guy said I had to apologize here. I unplugged Pecker's microphone for the second half because we all know he sucks. They added him back in, but it sounds like shit. Blame me. I feed off hate. And we are back, Hysteria Nation. While we were gone, uh, Joe went ahead, went to the restroom, and read the entire Voynich manuscript. The break was two and a half weeks. <laughs> Luckily, the zipper was stuck, and it took him that long. So, yeah. So you have it figured out, Joe? Well, I've, I have for, for a while. But I'm excited, John, for the big reveal at the end of this show when you're going to recite it in English. Tab. We're not even going to wait. We've broken it down now. I've got my uh, decoder ring here. Drink <laughs> more Ovaltine? I want the crummy commercial. We're making fun of it. What does it say, John? What uh, does this thing say? The text of the manuscript is still question mark a mystery uh it is tempting to assume that the text relates to the illustrations but we don't know that for a fact right the, there are wildly varying theories as to what it. Could if be. you've got any of my textbooks the illustrations in them have nothing to do with what's going on in the text so god <laughs> help the poor alien souls in the future that come to our earth and find my textbook and use that to uh to assume what's in yeah the, yeah yeah <laughs> Why does every one of their leaders have a goatee, sunglasses, and a giant joint? <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're really obsessed with anarchy. <laughs> and Metallica. Yeah. Oh, that was mine. Sorry. Uh, all right. Nice. Here are a few theories that that span the globe of, of theories yeah. as far as the Voynich Manuscript goes. First, it is based on early discoveries and inventions by 13th century friar Roger Bacon, written... <laughs> no one no one can mess with fried bacon like that. That's fried... Um, mm, but written, written in a very complicated code. So here's the deal. Early That's 20- highbrow Illinois comedy for you Floridians down there. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> that one didn't get me. That was pretty welcome. funny. Us other Illinoisans weren't <laughs> laughing either. Uh Early 20th century <laughs> philosopher William Romain Newbold argued that Roger Bacon really had written the whole thing <laughs> and that when properly decoded, the manuscript proved that Bacon had used both telescopes and microscopes to anticipate modern germ theory. What kind of germs was he looking at with a telescope? It's a great question. <laughs> what I wanted. Far away ones. Yeah. Really oh, big ones. Yeah. That checks out. <laughs> that, that works. Uh, but. One problem. Don't forget that the carbon dating of the manuscript placed it in the 15th century. So, you know, bacon being from the 13th century poses a small problem. Unless someone found the bacon and just reheated it, meaning they found it and they just, you know, recopied it down. Okay, you're making a joke. Unless my friend George Sukulos was correct about the carbon dating being wrong because of a nuclear now explosion. Is that up to 10, and it was actually 10,000 year old vellum. <laughs> or bacon's a time travel. What else, John? Hit me with one. It's a fake language. Military cryptographer William F. Friedman. Mm. Not the Friedman you know from this show. Not not Stanton 
Friedman, no relation. <laughs> who this this Friedman uh, is the real deal. He helps break Japan's purple cipher during World War II. Uh, he collaborated with his wife and fellow cryptographer Elizabeth for years in an attempt to decode this uh, the Voynich manuscript. Yeah, there was just like in their spare time, this is all they did. It's like most people do the New York Times crossword. Yeah, they did this. Ultimately, Sudoku? They- nah, Voynich. <laughs> Voynich. <laughs> <laughs> They concluded Tack, you want to get a real lady, whip out some ciphers and see where you know, see where they stand. That's the way it works. I, hey, I've baby, tried. you want to come back to my I've place tried. and see my cipher? <laughs> <laughs> Do not take Brent's yes. advice and whip out your cipher recklessly. Hey, hey baby, you want to come see my Enigma machine? Oh, oh. check out my decoder pen. Uh, <laughs> but you can decode the hell out of this. <laughs> <laughs> No one knows. Uh, why am I wringing my hands like an evil genius? <laughs> Ultimately, they concluded that cracking the code was impossible, of course, since they couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and that the, the quote, the Voynich manuscript was an early attempt to construct an artificial or universal language of the priory type. Now, what's priori type mean? Do you know what that means? Uh, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if you know. That checks out, right? Uh, uh, so here, here's one of my favorites. That the Voynich manuscript is a rare prayer book from the Cathars, uh, not destroyed by the Inquisition and written in a pigeon version of a Germanic slash Romance Creole. This comes. Wow. Yeah. This comes from Leo Levitov, uh, proposed in his 1987 book, Solution of the Voynich Manuscript, a liturgical manual for the Endura Rite of the Cathari Heresy, a cult of Isis. One of my favorites to read while I'm doing my business on the pot. <laughs> oh, God. Like, Does he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even, even use the restroom. A pigeon version of Germanic Romance Creel. That sound I don't wasn't that the plot to the last like Fifty Shades of Grey movie? I don't even know, man. That is crazy. <laughs> it, it had something to do with the last Transformers, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes more sense. I thought it was that was the name of Emerald Lagasse's new restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> That's version of Germanic romance. So, so try to follow me here. They're saying that the manuscript is a handbook for the Cather Rite of Endura. Um, it, it's a it's a thing they do, right? Uh, written in a Flemish-based Creole. He further claimed that Catharism was descended from the cult of Isis. Not not what you're thinking of Isis, but the, the old Egyptian thing. Uh, however, uh, Levitov's decipherment has been refuted on several grounds, not the least of which being unhistorical. Levitov had a poor grasp on the history of the Cathars, and his depiction of Endura as an elaborate suicide ritual is at odds with surviving documents describe it as simply a fast. Likewise, there is no known link between Catharism and ISIS. So, so what you're saying is that was BS, and uh, but some people still buy into it. That's well, that's what they want you to think. Which is pretty much the you know the bread and butter of this show. BS. <laughs> that's people. Isn't some that, people. Isn't that the yeah. show description on on? Uh, yeah. the, We're not business. the Twisted Ten or or you know living podcastly or anything like that. It actually has some some meat and potatoes. It's almost it. as if you've been doing too science <laughs> too much science is that possible you guys are going to lose <laughs> listeners by being on this, this <laughs> no, I I not at all <laughs> i don't know like 
there's all these people coming out of the room. Computer science, Gordon Rugg thinks the whole thing's a hoax. Uh, and there's nothing to decode. Uh, physicist, uh, Andrea Schinner thinks it was written by an autistic monk who subconsciously followed a strange mathematical algorithm in his head. There's a retired chemistry person named Edith Sherwood who thought eight year old Leonardo da Vinci wrote the thing. And, well, then there's aliens. Want natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. Oh, the aliens one's great. They literally took one of the, remember how we talked about how one of the pages, some of the pages unfolded. Yeah. Uh, and had kind of like star map things. <laughs> Zodiac yeah. things. Smoking gun. Everyone knows aliens fold. If you. If... <laughs> <laughs> no human awesome. could fold this way. <laughs> no human could stack t- books if like this. T- stack aliens fold, it all comes together. It all comes together. <laughs> if you took one of those and then you took like a star chart that they found, like l- one star chart of like Alpha Centauri or something like that, and angled it the right way and then reversed it, it kind of looked like they matched up. Yeah. So proof positive. And the person who fil- found that out was Betty Hill. Oh, you know, she she came that. to and was like, I can see it's the Voynich manuscript. And <laughs> so Richard, you're like standing at a window in the starship somewhere, like thoughtful, like pondering, where have I seen this? <laughs> <laughs> Some guys like, I drove. It's the Voynich manuscript. If it is written. Party! <laughs> If it is written by aliens, I'm a little bit disappointed because their uh, their animations, their their drawings, the the pictures of humans, uh, they don't have very much skill in their artistry. Obviously, it's yeah, right. not uh, doesn't do them any justice. Yeah, this was not Alien Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that 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 kind of sums this up, and Adam, I'm gonna defer this to you a little bit. Is you look at the stuff and the answer whether this is like a basic question was this text a language or a language has been uh, ciphered or something like that. There's a lot of people that say this is absolutely a language. What'd you find looking that up? So something that's very interesting that I've studied in the past is stenography and burying code and text. You guys have alluded Wait, time out, time to out. something. You might be the only person that's ever said very interesting in stenography in the same. <laughs> the same, same but keep going. No, I don't think he's the only it. person who's ever said that. I think you he's the only person who said it on this show. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> or or out loud in general. Keep going. Yeah, no, it's all good. But you guys alluded to it earlier, like the second letter of every word, something like that. That's really where the meaning might be behind this behind this article or by this book. Um, but it may not be. So there's a theoretical physicist, uh, Marcelo Montanero, Montanero, something like that, uh, out of University of Manchester that studied this. And what he specifically looked for was linguistic patterns. He doesn't care about what the words are. He cares about how they're used. And uh, sure enough, he found out that the complexity of the structure of the words, if you want to call them that in this in this entire piece of literature, uh, does prove that 
it is a complex piece of literature and not just a bunch of garbledy gook somebody threw on a piece of paper. So it actually has substance behind it, and there's a real language there, according to this guy. That's actually really interesting. And one of the things, like, I, I saw an interview talking about this, and they said, like, let's look at, like, English language. Like, the most used letter in the English language is E. So you're going to look at it, and you're going to say, okay, because of the amount of words and, and words, the way they're conjectured and put together and stuff like that, it's going to be a repeating pattern. And they found, like, the the letters that, that were in this. Now it's not English, but they coincide in the same way to say that this isn't just garbledy gook put together, but it looks like it falls into these patterns that an actual language would be. And John, you can actually break it down a little bit further than that, I think. Yeah, there's a universal law of language that was discovered. I mean, it's been in place for yeah. much longer than this, but was discovered in the, the early, early 20th century. It's called Zipf's Law. So Zips Law states that a given Z-I-P-F, I love that word. Yeah, Zips Law Zips. states that given a large sample of words used, the frequency of any word is inversely proportional to its rank in the frequency table. So uh, th- th- that that sounds a little confusing. Yeah. Let me say it in other words. The most frequent word will occur about twice as often as the second most frequent word three times as often as a third most frequent word and so on. Yeah. So if I is the most frequent word, the is the, the second most frequent word, I will happen twice as often as the and it, so on and so but on. But here's the kicker to that, that that blows my mind. That law is universal. Yeah. It's not something that I meant to do when I was making, you know, my Brent law, you know, my Brent language. It was just something that just happened. English and Germanic and all these things. It just it it's happens. not known why. But it holds true for almost all languages, and it also holds true for the Voynich Manuscript. Meaning, this really, 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 really looks like a language, smells like a language, sounds like a language. So you can't it, say it is, but, you know, it's got all the the characteristics. It re- really, really, people that say it's nonsense, it, that, between what? What Adam just said, what you said, and then yeah. Zip's law. I have a hard time believing nonsense. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's nonsense. There's there's too much co- coincidence in patterns. It's not. It, it it does have substance behind it. It's not accidental. And the, the the amazing thing about this is there's so much been going on with it recently. Did you guys did you guys see anything in the news about it lately, or or what did you guys find looking into it? I have not. I didn't see anything in the news lately. I've just been. Watching a lot of YouTube stuff lately on it. <laughs> that's that's my favorite way to prep. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I get all my news from is YouTube and then my news feed on uh, Facebook. That's how I get all my news. It's all true too. So oh, there's good. there's been um <laughs> there's been numerous recent discoveries, and I say discoveries Ooh. in quotes because about every two to three years there's a new there's a new discovery and a new translation. Twenty seventeen was a big one for for this manuscript. Uh, yeah. First one came in twenty fourteen. Uh, an expert in applied linguistics, his name was uh, Professor Stephen Bax, pu- published an article in which he claimed to have translated 10 words from the manuscript using techniques similar to those successful in uh, uh, translating Egyptian hieroglyphics. He claimed the manuscript to be a treatise on nature, which, I mean, that's not a far-fetched yeah. thing to say. We could say that just from looking at the pictures. Yeah. In a Near Eastern or Asian language. Uh, however, he, n- no further translation was made. Nothing. They couldn't get anything else out of him before his death in 2017. Now, the thing about this was this was in 2014 and he came out with this and people did not like it. They're like, no, screw this guy. Go to hell. Like, it's one of those things. A lot of people are working on it and it's their baby, I think. And so if someone does um, 
come forward with stuff that's not easily repeatable to them or they're they're trying to hide it until they bring it themselves people like to poo poo on it and uh, and shut it down is there also a little bit within exactly that like a little bit of like people don't want it to just be like a farmer's almanac. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They, they want it to like be it when someone tries to say this is actually more simple than you all. One think. of the like, things you're is so right. One of the things is literally like people are like, I believe that these plants are the actual plants from the Garden of Eden, and I'm going to prove that. And you're laughing. That is literally one of the arguments that people make. They believe that this is this is like an angelic speak, or this is a godly speak, and it's it's above us, and it's divine, or it's 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 or Atlant, it's it's from a previous civilization but think about it we're doing an episode on it right now as of this moment it has all possibilities yeah the possibilities are endless it is conjecture is so much fun it could be anything from the garden of eden to aliens to an alternate universe to to nazis i don't know it, it has all possibilities the moment it's translated it is narrowed to uh it's a farmer's almanac or whatever it is. Yeah. It's one of those things where the story's better than the actual proof or, not, you know, the supposition. The legend's better than the fact. And I'm finding ways. all of this conjecture very taxing personally. <laughs> I don't, it's not fun at all. Just, just in September, though, they made some news on this, didn't they, John? Well, yeah. Well, sort of. Uh, there was news. Uh, so a television writer. <laughs> Uh, so that starts out well. Nicholas Gibbs claimed to have found podcaster. Well, piss on him. Like what? <laughs> I don't go to television writers for my cipher translations. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well, I mean, uh, he said he decoded the manuscript uh, as idiosyncratically abbreviated Latin. <laughs> um, a medieval scholar. Hey, uh, you guys want to come over here and uh, do some Latin? <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. Hey, oh. I, that sounded to me that like a perfect sounded, Egyptian. Actually, I was more, I was wanting to use someone who was from Pompeii, but then moved to Spain at a young age. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed It's easily, it's more in the, you got to flick the tongue when speaking. That way you I, moved I apologize. Away from I missed hand it. ringing on that. Yes. Yes. One. To an untrained ear, it probably sounds like gibberish, just like to us when you talk that nonsense. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. guys, I, I want to apologize for having Joe on with you guys it's uh, it's embarrassing right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> so Go on. Not at all. so gibbs our television writer um he was he was judged pretty harshly medieval scholars found his hypothesis to be not novel quote unquote uh, his work was criticized as patching together already existing scholarly works i find and, it rather boring and providing a highly speculative and incorrect translation in fact uh, lisa fagan davis director of medieval academy of america stated that gibbs's decipherment quote doesn't result in latin that makes sense <laughs> end quote <laughs> <laughs> so, so, someone else is grasping at something like, here, I'm going to throw my name in the ring and I'm going to get people talking about me. But at the beginning of the show, we teased that there has been a new development here in 2018. Ooh, oh, yeah. boy. Oh, <laughs> stop teasing. Buckle up, gentlemen. From January of this year, just a mere 24 hours ago as we record and just a few weeks ago wherever we yeah whenever we drop this computing science professor Greg Kondrak of the University of of Alberta says that they are decoding the Voynich manuscript using artificial intelligence, which makes sense. Finally, use a computer, kids. Yeah, which they <laughs> did in the past. They used the first uh, what the ENIAC. No, it was what did they call the first major Skynet. Computer? 
big guy or big boy or something <laughs> like something weird like that. No, that was the well, bomb that they. That was a bomb. Yeah, that was, that was a bomb. Had a little boy. <laughs> no, whatever. But the first supercomputer they actually tried to use on this, I saw the thing and it had the big blue, right? Nope, it wasn't called big blue. Daryl was it? Daryl. Anyway, anyway, it, they did try it, but to how? Like the fifties when. He, with punch cards and and you had to have radiation suits you know, to be near it, you know. Well, so. I've also read stuff about them using like some of the, like the big when they were doing building out game theory machines in the nineties, trying to predict you know complex large scale human behavior and looking for patterns. And I mean, it really is the, the you know the predecessor to today's. AI that John's talking about and some of the machine learning capabilities. Sure. And that's where we got the Sims. Yeah, right. Well, thank God. <laughs> so so how'd they nice. do it with this? Well, they used 400 different language translations of the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So they took that text, 400 different versions of it, different language translations, to identify the language used in the text of the Voynich Manuscript. And what was it? The researchers' algorithms revealed that the manuscript is written in, of all things, Hebrew. Okay. Uh, they worked out the Voynich manuscript was created using alphagrams uh, that use one phrase to define another. So they built an algorithm to unscramble the text. It turned out uh, this is quote uh, a quote from the uh, the head researcher contract. It turned out that over eighty percent of the words were in a Hebrew dictionary, but we didn't know if they made sense together. The initial part of the text was then run through Google Translate. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, Google wins. It came back with the following sentence, quote, she made recommendations to the priest, man of the house and me and people. What? The, uh, that was that was the first sentence. The full meaning of the text will need the involvement of historians of ancient. Hebrew. So that's just like one line that they gave us. But they're saying that they've they've well, decoded the whole thing. Basically, they figured out it was Hebrew. They went to the local ancient Hebrew historians, like the ones they had access to. And they said, no, we won't help you. So then they went to Google Translate. Isn't that freaking crazy? Like, why is that always the, hey, um, so we have this ancient manuscript that we believe is Hebrew. Will you translate it? Nah, deuces, we're out. Not interesting. How is that always the case? I, I don't do know. Do you guys, yeah. what you're doing, like, when you're researching your, your top tens and stuff, do you run into that, too, where people just, like, it's a brick wall all the time with these crazy stories? So far, no. We haven't had too many people that have, have given us a, a hard time. Uh, well, not so. us, per se. I mean, just, like, we're looking at, like, the stories, and that's... that's that seems to be the case. Hey, I don't know if you've you listened were, to our show very much, but we don't get that technical with the Twisted Ten. It doesn't get that deep. Well, but we do see that throughout history, whenever people are trying to come to a conclusion on some great mystery, inevitably when they first start to, to dig it out um, and, and they think they've found something, they've found the, the, the tail of the pig and they're trying to grab it and, and there are literally experts there that could help them. The experts don't want to a piece of it for whatever reason. And, 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 and that was proven right here. But now that it's gotten notoriety, now that it's been written in major news sources, there will be, there will be hundreds that will be more than willing to help them. I used to work with a guy who is a, he's a college professor now, but he had a degree in, uh, Christian apologetics and now he's got his master's of doctorate and everything. Uh, he spoke Hebrew. That would have been awesome. I, that would be awesome. Like he would be one of those oh, people that would actually jump at the chance to, to, to work with and that's the hard like part this. though because you have to understand the syntax of ancient hebrew yes. and there's only so many folks that yeah. and a lot of them are going to be in a biblical sense of one way or another and then they don't want to touch it well and also don't forget and and i am certainly i'm not jewish so i'm certainly not going to understand the the intricacies here a lot of them are going to be orthodox jewish which 
perhaps diving into this is not going to be something that they're going to feel. Who I, knows? Because they don't know what it is. That's just right. Just, just to, to shut a door and say no like that is just crazy to me. So let's put it. So tack. Yes. You're looking at this. You're listening. You, you've studied. You've looked into it. You, you want to do this episode. What do you think? What do you think of this? What do you think it is? What what drew you to it? Uh, what drew me to it was the whole mystery behind all of it, you know, because nobody knew what it was or, you know, was it written by aliens? Was it written by ancient man? You know, nobody knew. And I thought that was quite fascinating, especially along with all the uh, illustrations all through it. And, you know, I, yeah, I've recently seen uh, some people that have been trying to translate it. And, and I think it's it's fascinating it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, what is that one book like the Devil's Bible or Devil's Book or whatever? What's that other book? Uh, ne- Necronomicon. No, no, yes, no, no. Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking? I know one of you has to know. John Goforth's diary. Who could it possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, maybe you guys don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. It's like this book with like some satanic book or something. I don't know. It's like huge. But anyway, we don't hang out at the same parties as you do. I guess <laughs> <laughs> we know we know how to party here in Florida. Yeah, let me I tell guess you. so. Love a jump, jump. I don't know. Just the whole mystery behind it is fascinating, and and I'm interested in history too. So this coming from like the 15th century, you right? Know, is kind of right. It's fascinating. Joe, what is it? All right, bear with me for one second. Why, you know, why is he taking his shirt off? (laughs) We find all of these like ancient things by different writers. You know, you can go back and you look at, you know, who's considered so pivotal. You look at, you know, people talking about Shakespeare and he literally directed the history of the English language with the way that he wrote. But no one ever talks about anybody. Like, were there no pranksters in like the history and like ancient history? Like, I'm picturing the three of us sitting around in a room and like, Let's get some really nice paper. Right. And like write just some crazy stuff and bind it really nice and just laughing. So here's the thing. I actually I watched the thing and they actually talked about that. Like this could be an absolute hoax where someone did it not to be like, ha ha, for money. So like they, they, they figured out that it wouldn't take years if they had like three people working to make it look real. They could have pumped it out in a few weeks and then sold it as like this lost manuscript. And at the time, I guess, you know, a couple hundred years ago or whatever, when stuff was going on now, maybe not now in 1400, but stuff like that sold like crazy. So it could have actually been, they said a, a forgery, or if you want to call it a forgery, yeah. I, that's the wrong word, but uh, a hoax. And that, and that could be, I, I still prefer to believe that it's more like the like 1412 version of like Seth Rogen and, and James Franklin. Like, <laughs> nice. Like, sitting around on the bench, laughing it up, like, oh, oh, write this word 17 times. Like, yes, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Great job. <laughs> a lot of people think this is where we also get the Holy Bible too. Also, same kind of thing. Yep. Not saying yep. That's who believes right. that, but I'm just saying so, some people believe that. So, Joe, is that your is that your walkaway opinion? That's, that's it. I, I'm, I'm done. This what do you, is why it's not there. I mean, even even your the thing you know the most recent development where they're using machine learning to train itself on all these different ways to find patterns. I mean, still think about it, guys. Like they're. They're finding like an 80% match 
if you think about that from a linguistic standpoint, that's not very compelling to me, even though it's more compelling than anybody else seems to have gotten. Like, there's got to be a 100% match for this thing to make sense. Well, maybe it's also because of it's the dialect that they're getting wrong. True. You know, so I don't know. There's True, a lot of... There could be some syntax. I, I'm with yeah. you on that. Like, I, could it be a hoax? Absolutely. Do I think it was? Man, I don't know. Like I said, the drawings could be anything. I, I actually think it, it's probably some sort of probably religious or or royal or something information decree whatever you want to call it it's probably something that they wanted to hide they did a cipher and we just haven't got there yet i i i don't think that it's um a hoax but it could be and the biggest thing that that keeps me from the hoax is what john talked about with the um you know it falling in with the laws of of language so that's a big one for me so I'm kind of on that fence. That's what I think. Adam, what do you think? I'm going to tangent. I'm going to answer that by giving you a tangent a little bit. If you listen to our show, I do that a lot too. The, uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Stigmata? Yes. Sure. Older, like late nineties, I think early two thousands, maybe Well, mm-hmm. the end of the Stigmata movie, they educate the audience by telling you about the, the last writings, supposedly the last writings of Jesus, which is, I think the gospel of Thomas or something like that. And that the Catholic church to the date of the airing of that movie uh, still has not adopted those writings as authentic, even though they were, you know, carbon dated at the same era. Right. They were using the same language. They were using this. Everything's exactly the same. Yet the Catholic Church has its own agenda to not recognize that gospel. The same could be said for this. So if there actually is some underlying meaning behind it, perhaps those linguists out there that do understand the translations don't want to reveal the contents of it because of some other agenda that they're trying to somehow shape culture. Now, granted, this this particular book may have nothing to do with shaping culture, but it may have some other hidden agenda in it, or it's aliens, one or the other. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're looking at, you're talking about, look at how many, not just that, like they don't accept that as from, uh, you know, as from Jesus, but how many books of the Bible that aren't included in the, the, the Bible that we look at right now. I forget how many gospels there's, well, they find more of them all the time. Exactly. And the interesting thing is, you know, it's a little bit of a misnomer that they say that they don't believe that they're real or whatever. Like, there is generally a lot within, like, biblical scholarships. Like, by the way, I am, you know, very, like, do a lot of, of research in this and stuff. I minored in it in college and everything. But like, Nice. It's, it's not necessarily that they don't believe that there's legitimacy to them. They use them in contextual ways of looking at like, how do we map out and figure out what was the first century like in in Israel and what was going on and, and what, what were people thinking of, of Jesus, of this guy um, that that turned into the Christian religion. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's the, you know, it is, it is that it's the agenda. I mean, Adam, it's exactly what you said. Like, that's such an interesting point of view to me. I hadn't really thought about that way of like, is there something else there that it's like, no, we're not going to pursue this because it falls outside of sort of the world that we've all constructed. Right. right. John. All right. Buckle up kids. I have a, a, a different perspective on this one and uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little, uh, I'm going to take a little left turn. Normally I'm, I'm a, you could say that I'm a non-believer in, in a lot of our episodes, I think I'm more of a believer in this one. Spill it, Mysterio. I think that I think it's 100 percent a coded, if you want to use the term farmer's almanac, something like that. And I think that we're going going to uncode it 
relatively soon, whether it's the current folks in Alberta or if they're they very well could be wrong. They, because the the people in Computers 2017 are going to knock it out. They're going to knock it out. Yeah. Right. If it's not this this version, the people in 2019 or the people in 2020, somebody's going to figure it out pretty soon. But once we uncode it, it's going to simply be or appear to be something like that. The flora, the fauna, the the astronomical. But I think hidden inside of that is something even more. And I I honestly believe because why take this much time and why take this much effort to make this so difficult? I think inside of it is, I don't know if it's a treasure map. I don't know if it's. If this even, is freaking uh, the I, what's I, I, buried in uh, Oak Island. In Oak Island. <laughs> yeah. Could it, could it, could it be, be? Could it be? <laughs> no, but a I. 1400s manuscript? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a treasure map. I don't know if it, if it's some, a more interesting story. I, I don't, but, but so often there are more interesting tales inside of words. Um, whether you take the. So once you know, we the, decipher it, then we've got to decipher it. Then we have it. to decipher it. Yeah. And that's what I believe. That's interesting. I, 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 yeah, I believe if, 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 if we're saying that it's absolutely is language and it's going to be deciphered, then you're right. There is a hell of a lot of security put into whatever it is. That's our Alien. thoughts, guys. Like, I don't know what's, let us know what you guys think at home. How can they do that, John? Hop on Hysteria Nation. Go to Facebook, search Hysteria Nation, join the conversation. That's right. And also go to facebook.com slash hysteria 51 pod. You can find all the episodes there. We're hopping on things. Hop on Twitter at Hysteria 51 Pod. Don't forget to hop on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. John, let's do a contest. I think it's a great idea. Tell us about it. We have a new sticker contest. If you remember, if you're a listener of this show, our last sticker contest was a smashing success. You had to go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and say somewhere in the context of said review, Brent was an ugly pigeon. That's right. And you did so in droves. We want you to do that again, but that is no longer the secret code. No, mm-hmm. you, it will not help you to say that Brent is an ugly pigeon. No, <laughs> might just make you feel good. It might. You can. You're welcome to. All you have to do is get on there. Leave us five stars. Leave us a review and use the terms. Don't just say this. Say whatever you want to say about the show. But somewhere in that review, say simply, I love Seabot. And then let us know. Let us know that you said that by, you can send us a screenshot on Hysteria Nation would be great. We're going to send you some You can email it to us too, love. but we prefer it on Hysteria yeah, Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw it on there. Let everyone know that you're superior. That's the way I like it. We're going to send you some sticker love. It's that easy. Also, if you want to hear your voice on the show, 773-669-7277. That's our voicemail line. Again, 773-669-7277. If you forget any of this stuff, just go to Hysteria51.com. Guys. Twist to 10, thank you so much for being on. How can we find you? How can our listeners now subscribe to you, listen to the show, let you know that uh, they're now raving lunatic fans? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find us uh, anywhere podcasts are heard. You can hear us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music, all that stuff. Anywhere you can hear Hysteria 51, you can also hear the Twisted 10 as well. Yeah, be sure to check out John and Brent's episode too. They hosted guest hosted an episode and blew it out of the fucking water. That's pretty, I'm sure it was, it was a good show. Conspiracies, yeah, yeah, yes. it was a great show. Where that I had one, one job to let you guys, or you guys had one job to say the number, and I kept stealing your job because that's how much I paid. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got any fun episodes coming up or anything? 
What's new? Well, What's going on? Ironically, ironically, we're about to release, and I know this has been a long time coming, and you guys prepared a really awesome clip for us to use as well. But you made us the introduction to the Flat Earth guys, to John and Jared, or to uh, Jaron and uh, David. Help me out with this, yeah. David. Thank yeah. you, David and Jaron. And uh, we did a rebuttal episode, basically. So they gave us ten challenges on their twisted ten, and we didn't take any of them because they were all ludicrous. Basically, what we did is we allowed our friend, fellow podcasters like you guys. As well as Dan Cummins from Time Suck and then a few others around uh, sent us clips of their responses to these Flat Earth guys. So Very nice. that will be releasing nice. next week. So probably about the time listening to this. I know you guys were here. rushed when you had them on there, but yeah, it was one of those things where, uh, yeah, it was like uh, they were saying ludicrous. You're like, all right, that's your opinion. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yes. That's all right. So, guys, thanks a ton for being on. Again, Joe Peck, we find you in studio, kissing up the Seabot, letting you in the door. Reading the Gadfly. <laughs> so you have been upgraded, though. I mean, the fact that Brent is letting you stay in the basement versus in the bushes, I'm impressed. That's true. Well, he kept. We had to feed the microphone through the window, and one of them got pinched, and I'm not going to have to buy another one, so we're going to let him in the house. That's the way it goes. Then I have to. Edit out all the, the traffic noises from behind him and the rustling. <laughs> Lots of rustling. So with that said, I've been Brent. Uh, I've been Tack. I've been Adam. I've been Voynich. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.